Wow, good morning uh, to all of you. Those of you that are in this place today. Uh, and then we have so many that are watching online today and I just wanna give you a greeting today. Um, I wanna say, give a shout out to John. Come on people, watch this. In uh, Dodge City, Kansas. Come on, anybody know they need Jesus in Dodge City, Kansas? <laughs> Welcome. And then I wanna give a shout out to uh, Sarah who is watching in Illinois. And here's what I wanna say about Sarah. She may be our most faithful online watcher. She is watching uh, every day. And I, I actually talked with her this week and I said, you know, um, I think that we just need to take you into online membership. <laughs> so uh, come on in. Um, we are just so thrilled. Would you like to hear a really cool story about our online ministry? <laughs> I hear some every week, but just this, uh, just this past week or so, uh, someone watching um, let us know that they gave their heart to Jesus Christ, rededicated their life yeah, to him. So you are very much a part of, of our church family. You're our church online and you're a church that happens to be in the house today. We're all a part of the church. Uh, and that's why we exist. The stories that we just heard that you hear me say almost every week that we exist to encourage and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I am so thankful for a church called Kokomo Naz. And I just wanted to say to you today and to all of you today that I love you. And I give thanks for you almost every day, early in the morning, I start out my day by giving thanks for you and just wanted to express that to you today. Well, um, today we're beginning a series called Faithful, living in a world of fear. Because I think more than any other time, at least in my lifetime, we live in a world where people's lives are consumed with fear. The isolation, the uncertainty. I heard one of our senior adults uh, this past week, and I'm talking about like in their 90s, that in the midst of all that we're just going through and all the shutdowns, and I'll talk more about that stuff later, but. Um, just threw her hands up and said, I hate all this stuff. Come on, anybody understand what she was saying? I get that, I feel that. Um, you know, today it's not unlike past days, however. We're going through some stuff, but I just wanna tell you, you go back and you start in the Old Testament and just work your way through the history of the church and our world, and we're not in days that are all that unlike their days that were filled with turmoil, but here is the deal. God has always had a people that were faithful to him, even in a world that was filled with fear. And all of us experience fears in our lives. So to say, even as a church, even as Christians, well, we never face fear, that would be foolish. Some of you are facing big fears right now, a financial fear, because there are some things going on, maybe even caused by what we're experiencing right now, some devastating things financially. And you have no idea where the money or the resources are gonna come to take care of the fear that is enveloping you right now. Some of you have a physical fear that you are facing. I prayed with some and I talked with some even this morning that are going through some physical things because we have bodies that one day we're just gonna lay them down and 
Some of you are facing real physical difficulties in your life right now. Some of you have a relational fear. There is, there's a conflict with somebody that you love and it just eats you up and it, you wake up in the morning and your, your life is just consumed with that. Maybe a betrayal, trust was shattered and, and you now live in fear. Let me, let me just start out by saying just a few things about fear before we jump into what this message, I'm very excited about this message because over the next few weeks, we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at people in the Bible that lived in fear, but that be, became faithful to God. And so we're gonna take a look at that. And today we're gonna look at a guy named Elijah and I'm gonna jump into it in a minute, but let me just give you a few things about fear. First one is this, fear is the only weapon Satan has against you. He can't come against you in any other way today or tomorrow or this coming week in any other way in your life except through fear. And it begins in your mind and it's the only tool he has to use against us to defeat you, fear. Fear will keep you from trusting God. It will rob you of his promises. It will cause you to feel like, well, what he said is really not true in my life. And he just, fear, Satan uses fear to rob us of their very blessings and promises of God in our lives. And then here's the other one, fear is the opposite of faith. And we know that scripture tells us we are told to live by faith, be a people of faith. All through the Bible, the faithful people were, were the ones that did not, be, did not allow themselves to be consumed by fear, but they lived by faith. And fear begins always with a thought. And, and the proverb writer says, as a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he. It's not just the thought that goes into our head, but that we think on it over and over again until it kind of lives out in our heart. And as they think, wherever you let your mind run, your heart will follow. And so as we jump into this, our example today is Elijah. Now, Elijah is living during a day where there were very evil kings. They had been evil kings for a while. And Elijah finds himself now living in a day with probably the worst king that has ever lived. It's a king named Ahab. In fact, the thing that made him so evil was he had this wife who was also evil and her name was Jezebel. And so you had this evil king married to this evil wife and they were the worst of the worst in the history of the kings. And these evil kings, they would turn people's hearts away from God. They would go into the temples, the church, they, they would engage in sexual activities with prostitutes. They would kill children in rituals and then they would lift that up and call that worship. And, and Ahab was so vile and so sinful that God just steps in and says, enough. And he raises up one person to take a stand and his name was Elijah. And here's what I would like to say at the beginning of this series 
And at the beginning of this message today, to those of us in this place and those of us watching online, I would argue that maybe God still wants to do that today. Maybe he wants to raise up one man or one woman who would stand with him at work or stand with him at school or stand on the principles of his word in in our lives and live in our crazy world, the faithful life that God has called us to live. God could raise up one teenager to stand up in their class against all others for purity. God could maybe raise one man who would teach his kids to honor God, be faithful to God with all their possessions and not seek worldly things. That God maybe would raise one woman to turn the tide in her family and turn the tide in the church through effectual and a fervent prayer life. One person can make a huge difference. And so our scripture today is found in First Kings chapter 17, and we'll start with verse one and weave our way through the passage today. But um, I wanna jump to verse four as we, uh, or, uh, verse one as we begin. Um, and it says, now Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And so he jumps in there and this guy named Elijah, he's just standing up before this evil king and he brings the word of God, one person to make a difference. And he says, there's gonna be neither dew nor rain over the next few years, unless I say so, because God is speaking through him. It's like, (laughs) come on, it's COVID-19 Elijah style, right? No food. No water, no crops, no jobs. So he boldly confronts this evil king. And that's a good thing. But first God will take Elijah into the desert. And we're gonna watch today as God shapes and molds and uses Elijah, this man of God, and how God used him in a very powerful way in the midst of an evil world that was filled with fear. And I'm not naive enough to think that I stand here today and think God's gonna raise up several hundred of us today that are watching here or several thousand that are watching online and we're gonna jump into this and be the man or woman of God. I'm not that naive. But I am wondering if maybe there's one man or one woman that God would speak to, that God would raise up, that God would call forth and we would boldly stand for him. And and God would use us in a way that shapes our world in the midst of what we are living through right now. Somebody that makes a difference in their neighbor's life, somebody that makes a difference in their children's lives. God used Elijah in a powerful way in a very evil world. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna walk us through three experiences, three seasons of fear that God walked Elijah through in order that he might shape him 
in a world full of fear to be a faithful man of God for him. And here's the first, here is the first season or experience that he walked him through. It is this experience right here. It is the season of pain. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in this room today or anybody online, but I will say this for me, I have lived in this season often. Some of you have lived there. Elijah is alone, he has no one to talk to. He is hurting, he is struggling, he is discouraged. And in verse two, in, second, in 1 Kings 17, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he said, leave here and turn eastward and hide in the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan. Now, this word Kerith Ravine, that simply means to be cut off from. It's as if God is saying, I'm gonna take you into the desert. I'm gonna cut you off from everything that is comfortable in your life. I am going to break you and humble you and teach you so I can depend on you. Some of you think you're in a desert right now that is so dark and you think this darkness I'm experiencing, come on, stay with me. You think this darkness I'm experiencing must be from Satan. Now our sin can certainly do that. Come on, how many of us know our sin can bring pain into our lives? It does that. But for some, it may be that God himself has led you to the desert to refine you to prepare you for a deeper work that you don't even yet know he wants to do in your life. It's like the little bird that was flying south for the winter and he got caught in a snowstorm and his wings begin to get icy and he falls to the ground, unable to fly. He is flopping around and a priest on his way to mass stops and he picks up this little bird and as he approaches the steps of the church he notices over to the side by a pasture a fresh pile of poo that was recently deposited by a cow nearby and he thinks well that poo is warm and he takes and pushes that bird down into that pile of poo and the bird is thinking to himself this is a true story uh, <laughs> The bird is thinking to himself, it just doesn't get any worse than this, stuck here in this stinky mass and it's awful. And suddenly his body started warming up and his wings kind of got free from that ice and he starts feeling warm inside and he starts feeling good. And so that bird just starts chirping away. He's just singing a song. When all of a sudden, nearby, an evil cat, and by the way, all cats are evil. Um, <laughs> no, no emails this week. <laughs> this cat heard this bird singing and he runs over and he scoops that bird up in his mouth and runs away. and eats that bird. 
Now, there are three lessons from the story. Come on, stay with me. Not everyone who puts you in your poo is your enemy. Second one, everyone who helps you out isn't necessarily your friend. And the third one, when you find yourself deep in trouble, learn to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. I have no idea how that fits into the message today. I just love that story. Some of you feel broken today. Some of you feel hurt today. Some of you feel abandoned today. And it feels like your life has been dropped in a pile of poo and it stinks. And I get that. And not for all of you, but I am saying that for some of you today, God may have you here today to say to you, I am doing something in you right now that you don't yet see something that is preparatory for a work that is going on. So I can do more through you than you could ever realize. You you don't see it yet, but God sees it. Because we serve a God who is always doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could even think or imagine, even in our poo. God will never waste your pain. He will use it for you and he will use it for others and he will use it for his glory. A.W. Tozer put it this way. It is doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. On the cross, broken beneath the weight of the sin of the world, Jesus, who felt like even his father had turned his back on him, on the cross, in the midst of brokenness, feeling all alone. Come on, God did his greatest work in all of human history through his son in that season. And God uses the season of pain to shape those that he loves for a greater purpose, even though we don't see it yet. The second season that God uses to shape us is the season of total dependence. Most of you will never know that God is all you need until you discover one day that God is all you have. God says to him, You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Carith Ravine and east of the Jordan and and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the Brooke, in his hunger, in what he thought was his greatest need, God provided him food, God provided him water. God was showing Elijah, I will be faithful even in your pain. Even when you don't understand it, you can count on me to provide for you. Now, 
How much did God provide for Elijah in that moment? Just enough for the day. Some of you are in a season where you are learning. He may not bring you more than you need, but he will always bring you exactly what you need. As someone said, he is, he is seldom early, but he is never late. Many of you are in a season where you are finding that something you trusted in was taken away from you. It was a resource, it was a job, maybe it was a person, and you feel like you have nothing to trust in anymore. And I would submit to you today that maybe God has you where you are because he is trying to teach you some, some of you total dependence on him to find that he is enough. God is talking to someone today Come on, somebody tuned in. You're not even sure why you're watching. And God is trying to teach you today that if you will let him, he will be your every supply and he will meet every need that you have. I'll be your daily bread. I'll supply your every need. The season of total dependence is often a season that we don't like to be in, but it's where God teaches us to trust him in new and profound ways. And that leads us to this third one, which is the season of unconditional obedience. I will obey when I don't understand. I will obey when I don't see the outcome. I submit to the unconditional obedience of God. And here's what scripture tells us in verses seven through nine. Sometime later, the brook dried up. What brook? the brook that God had provided for drink, for nourishment, it dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. For I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Elijah learns that the same God who provided also is the one who takes away. The one who provided water can also take water away because often God may cause a brook to dry up in our life, a resource, a source of whatever to give us courage to leave where we are, to maybe push us from where we are to where we are supposed to be, where God wants to take us to a new place, a new adventure, a new dream a new purpose that God has for our lives. Many of you have heard the phrase often, God guides by what he provides. And that's a nice little saying, but I believe he also guides by what he does not provide. The same God who gives water may cause a brook to dry up in our lives to give us the courage to step out from where we are, the comfortable into the unknown because he wants us to have courage to take a step of total obedience and trust him even though we don't see how it will work out. One day, several years ago, I received a call from my district superintendent and he wanted to take me to lunch and I knew I'd pastored long enough to knew it wasn't just about getting a free meal. You know what I'm saying? 
And there we sat across the table from one another. And he said something like, Tim, you've had good success in ministry and I want you to be our mission strategy director on the district and teach churches how to refocus, how to capture vision. He said, the bad news, we can't pay you anything. You'll have to do this on evenings and Saturdays across the district. And so I lied, I said I would love to. (laughs) And for years, I created training events and spent nights and Saturdays training leaders to create vision and strategy. And it took a lot of time and it took a lot of energy and it took me away from my family. And I realized during that time, as I worked with pastors and churches that people basically don't like to change anything. And when they tell you, you do, they do, <laughs> they're lying. I got discouraged, I saw little reward. I didn't see churches grasping, making the sacrifices, the changes they needed to make. Some, but most were satisfied with where they were. I felt like God led me to a desert and I didn't understand why I felt like I had wasted so much time and energy. And then one day I got a call from the executive director from a church consulting company. And he said, Tim, we want you to come to work for us as our national coaching director, training pastors and churches across the country in 28 different denominations. And I did that for 12 years and God used me in places I never dreamed I would ever be, come on, stay with me. (laughs) But it was in the desert. It wasn't when I was at all of these churches or speaking at national events that I felt like God did his greatest work. No, no, no. His greatest work that he did with me was when I was in the desert and I had to totally depend on him and obey him in, in just really a blind faith. And here's Elijah and God moves Elijah across uh, to a barren land. The brook is dried up. God moves him on and he, here is Elijah and he is begging a widow just for one meal, something to eat, something to drink. And her response is, I don't have anything. I only have enough for one meal for me and my son to share before we die. Come on, stay with me. But because Joshua had just seen God work so powerfully on Mount Carmel, he speaks faith into an impossible situation that I'm not sure he even fully believed. And here here is what he said. The jar of flour will not be used up. You make the meal, but you're gonna have plenty of flour left after that. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Go bake me some biscuits. And she does. 
Because there is something about seeing the power of God at work and you exercise faith, even though you haven't seen it yet, there's something about taking a step out that people around you are attracted to that and they kind of buy into that. And, and, and this woman in faith just does what the prophet said to do and the provision never ran dry. And God taught them about provision and faithfulness and total obedience. Now, if you read on in the story later, tragedy would hit this lady and her son would die. And like any mom, she freaks out. She comes crying to the prophet and Elijah did something that had never been done before. There wasn't like an example of this. Jesus hadn't even been here yet. Jesus hadn't done this, but Elijah did something that never happened before. He lies on top of the dead boy and he cries out to God, God, you can raise this dead boy to life. And God does it. It never happened before. Where, where did this huge faith come from? Well, it started in Kareth Ravine where God pulled him aside and taught him what it meant to live in a land of unconditional obedience. And he used it to shape Elijah and he used it to grow his faith. Come on, some of you right now are in some very deep pain. And I'm speaking to some of you today because God is saying to you, I am doing something in you and you don't understand it yet. I know it seems like I've abandoned you. I know it seems like things are dead. I know it seems like you just can't figure it out, but you just don't understand it yet. But one day I am going to do more through you because of what you're in right now than you can even begin to imagine. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God. I, I know, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God, God may allow you to go through the desert so one day someone can look at your life or look at what you've been through, come on. God may allow you to go through cancer so that one day you stand on the other side of it in faithfulness and somebody looks at you and they're going through that and they see how you were blessed and they see what God did in you and it raises up great faith in them. Somebody may have lost a loved one, a spouse you had for years and you don't know how you're gonna get through but God helped you through that and somebody else is going through that and their faith is strengthened and they say you were a man of God, I, and, and I know now that God worked in you and maybe God can work in me. Some of you are in a desert, but the worst part of being in the desert is you're living in fear. And it is dominating your life. And we sang that song as we began the service that talks about how fear is such a liar. Fear is the absence of faith. And without faith, scripture tells us it is impossible to please God.
And I'll just say it to you this way from my perspective. I can't speak for you, I can only speak for me. I praise God for all the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that he has allowed me to go through because it brought me to a place of the supernatural provision that I saw and have experienced in him providing in my life. Andre Crouch said it this way, I thank God for the mountains and I thank God for the valleys and I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I had never had a problem, I would know that God could solve it. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Because I pray one day when people look at me, they won't say, oh, that, that, you know, watching online or hearing it. They won't say, oh, there, there's Tim Gates from Kokono Naz. No, 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 no. I hope they will say, there is a man of God. He is not perfect. He has mistakes and weaknesses, but he has been tested in the fire often. And he chose faith over fear. Do you know what came next for Elijah after this? Elijah standing before um, all of the enemy of his day. He, 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 he stood with boldness from that day on. He never could have stood with boldness had he not seen the power of God in his life, had he not gone first through the seasons of fear the making of a man or a woman of God. They often go through pain and they often go through dryness and they often go through brokenness. So God can do in them, in their brokenness, through their pain, more through them than he could have ever done before. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, I pray today that you would do a supernatural work in all of us. God, especially those of us today that are in a desert right now and it just seems like so many are finding themselves there right now. They're in pain, they're in a season of hurt, God, we call out to you in our desert today. We need to know that you are very near in what we are facing. For if you are with us, it gives us hope. If you are with us, it gives us faith over fear. We need to know that you are near to us today. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed at in this place or online. Many of you are in a very dry place right now or a place of pain. Come on, you are hurting. You are living in fear, broken. You're in a difficult time, a difficult moment, and it may not even be your fault. For some of you, God has you where you are for a preparatory work that he wants to do in you 
and through you. And just in the quietness of this place, maybe with just some music playing, God is calling out. I'll bring resource, I'll bring help. Paul said in Romans 8:15, do not live like people of fear, for you have become a child of God, so cry out to him, Abba, Father. And so Father, right now I pray for all of us, oh God. I pray for those that are here today and brought a heavy burden into this room. I pray for somebody that's watching online right now and their heart is even feeling heavy right now because it is the Holy Spirit speaking to them. They are facing some real fears. Some of them have a physical fear and, and, and just right now it frightens them. But God, you want to do something in them in what they're facing. And I pray even now that as they release that physical fear to you, that, that you would find them faithful. They are trusting you right now. I pray for someone that is carrying an emotional fear today. Their, their mind, for, for, for some of them, their mind is so overwhelmed by stuff in their past that it just controls them every day. It grips their heart. It brings fear into their lives. It haunts them continuously. But oh God, would you heal them today? Would you heal their minds? Would you remind them as Paul said, we are not children of fear, we are children of faith because we call you daddy. You are our father. I pray for a relational fear today. There is some relationship right now and it, it, it may be a marriage and it's about to just fall apart. And in our minds, there, in their minds, there is just no hope, God. But I pray that what Satan meant for evil, God, you would use for good, that you would bring healing that you would bring forgiveness, that you'd bring grace. I pray even for a relational uh, issue with a mom or a dad and their son or daughter, God, let grace flow like a river. Let the words, I'm sorry, just flow from our mouths. Bring healing and hope. Somebody is carrying a financial burden in all of this world that is so gone crazy and they're carrying a burden and it's not just a fear it's it's maybe even a reality god it's very scary god i'm praying that in their desperation they would cry out to you and it may well be that your faithfulness in them in this area is gonna be conditioned upon their faithfulness to you in this area too. That we will trust you 
As we're obedient to you, we will then trust you to meet all of our needs. It is the premise before the promise. And so, Father, we thank you that you love us. You call us your dearly loved children. And, Father, we're so thankful that we do not have to live in fear. We realize that fear is such a liar. You can, you can in, in this moment, you can move, you can bring hope, you can bring help to people, you can restore, you can bring resource. And so in Jesus' name right now, we are praying that. And as we close with this song, I pray that you would receive glory and honor and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as they lead us in this song? Let me address, let me just address something as we go, because many of you have all kind of questions about the new governor's mandate, right? So uh, can I update you? Um, and first of all, <laughs> look, come on, we got to grow up. It's not mask versus unmask, right? We love everybody. So if you feel one way and somebody else feels another, it's all right. You still love them, right? Because that's what Jesus would do, right? Well, four of us agree with that, me, you, Kevin, and two others out there. Hey, so let me say something, and then I'm going to address it because, uh, well, let me just say this. So the, uh, you know, the governor's mandate starting tomorrow about wearing masks, uh, once again, what we need to understand, keep in mind, is churches are exempt from the mandate. So let me say that. To also say that we have a way, we've tried to be as cautious as we possibly can. We have... Um, I, you know, I, I, I get so blessed when I walk into this place and I see all the people that serve. So before you got here, there were people getting this place clean. When you leave, they will be coming in and cleaning off your dirty germs for the next group. And they serve faithfully every week since this thing started. And um, I just wanted to say thank you to all those that serve every week. <clears throat> While you're in here, they're out there cleaning restrooms and cleaning different places. Uh, they're just serving. And so my heart, I'm just so very thankful for that. But here's the deal. We've asked, you know, um, we give, give people the option of, you know, if you want to come in. Uh, we've tried to encourage. We're not enforcing anything, but if you try to encourage, say, okay, wear a mask in, get your seat, take it off. Uh, be careful, make sure you're social distancing and all those. And you guys have done really good with that. But we also have a tendency to get a little lax, right? More we do something... Like, um, be careful. <laughs> Come on. How many of you just saw somebody today and you just wanted to run up and give them a big old hug, right? Don't do it. Don't do it. Go to the parking lot and get your hugs in. Um, so I just wanted to say that, you know, we're, um, I've got mine and I'm going to do better. I, uh, when I'm not on stage, I'm going to try to do this until I pass out and then I'll take it off. Um, so I get it. I get both sides, and I'm just trying to help us be as safe as we can. So we're honoring, uh, you know, we're outside, we're honoring it. When you come in here, it doesn't really change what we do here. We're asking people, you know, if you've got a mask, wear it in, and then get here and just, if you want to wear a mask, we've got sections for you. If you don't, we've got a place for you as well. Um, and um, so we're going to have, we'll always have masks available when you come in. If you want those, uh, feel free to take those, or as you leave, we sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. Um, I have everywhere I go. Come on, you got this, right? It's my new friend. And um, 
I have more contact with this baby every week than I do with my wife. So um, I try to shake. If, if somebody does shake my hand, I'll shake it. I'm not afraid. But then I immediately use this. Um, so just trying to be, we're trying to find the proper balance, right? So, um, and there, how many of you know there is no win on whatever we do? There's going to be somebody upset. So we're trying to find balance. But you help us out. Um, and... As we say each week, um, those of you that are watching online, until you feel absolutely safe, stay at home. You're still a part of our church. You're part of the church online, and we love you. And the same presence of the Lord that is here is going to be with you. And so you be safe. And when you're ready to come back, the Lord will lay that upon your heart. Okay. Can, we, can I give you a little humor before it goes? Is that all right? Anybody like to laugh? Now, this, gonna, this doesn't matter which side you're on. All right. This is okay. Come on. Come on. Get, tell the person next to you to chill. All right. Here we go. Somebody said, it took click it or ticket to get people to wear a seatbelt. I wonder if masket or casket might work. So. <laughs> hey, you're dismissed. <laughs> we love you. <laughs>